Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast, and thank you so much for being a part of this community. I'm grateful to each and every one of you, whether you're a brand new listener to the show or you've been tuning in from the very beginning, I could not do this without you. I'm so thrilled to share that I was recently interviewed by Canvas Rebel Magazine, where I had the opportunity to share my journey as creative and what inspires my work. We discussed how the lessons taught by my parents have shaped my life and career, the motto that drives so much of what I do and a lot more. So if you're interested and you'd like to learn a little bit more about the girl behind the mic, I would love for you to check out this article. I have linked it in the show notes for anyone that's interested in reading it. Now in this week's episode, we are chatting with Rachel McLeod, an emotional wellness coach and mental health therapist who helps clients move through their symptoms of anxiety, depression, and trauma and into remission. Rachel shares our brain's natural processes for healing and resolving symptoms and ways that we can transform through practices like emotional freedom technique, thought-filled therapy, and a lot more. We also discuss what it's like to be the strong friend and what we can do to change our mindset around healing, ways to hold space for ourselves during an emotional holiday season, and a lot more. So I really hope you enjoy this one. There are a lot of really great tips in here. So enough from me. Without further ado, let's hear from Rachel McLeod. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I think we have a lot of really great topics we can get into. But before we really dive in, I would love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners and just tell us a little bit about you. My name is Rachel McLeod. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I'm a mental health therapist and an emotional wellness coach. And I help people do the brain work for resolving symptoms of anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress. And I help them actually get rid of symptoms. And that's really my fun space. That's what I I've been doing for years now, and I've been doing it so much and having so much success with it that I really have, gosh, developed ways for people to resolve their disorder in short amounts of time, like two to six months instead of two to six years. And so that is a bit about me. And I came into this work because I needed it myself. I had a mental health breakdown and mental health crisis after having three children, uh, three children under three, and just was so overwhelmed by life that I could no longer outperform my anxiety nor my complex childhood trauma. And so I really needed help then. I was already a mental health therapist. I was already very angry with the talk therapy field, so I was not going back. But somebody handed me a training DVD set for emotional freedom techniques, which is a very different intervention. It does not have to do with talk therapy, so I was interested. And I tried it, and I started resolving my symptoms one after the other and really broke free. And that really brought me into wow, this is a real thing. If I ever go back to work, this is what I will do. And I just really have been working with different interventions, but really the brain from a very different perspective than talk therapy and getting really wonderful results. Finally, that really brought me to a place of mental wellness and um, my clients as well. So that's a little bit about me. 
I love that. And I love that you were able to apply, you know, you've been able to apply what you learned for yourself and what was so helpful for you to be able to help clients as well. I think so many of us, we're starting to, I think, take away a lot of the stigma when it comes to that talk therapy. And I think it can be so great for some, and it's certainly helped me in some ways, but I found that getting into some of the other interventions and I am just starting to experiment a little bit with EFT. So I'm very excited to talk about that. But I do feel like because of the way we hold trauma in the body, there are so many other things we can be doing to really push through, I think, some of the blocks that are there. Yeah, I'd love to know a little more about that brain work and kind of what that looks like for you and some of those types of interventions that you start to work with clients on, because I think that's so fascinating. And that's something we don't really get into into too much depth on this show. Yeah, you know, when I started using this intervention, I actually used emotional freedom techniques the first time with insomnia I had developed. And I was laying in bed, racing thoughts, trying to get to sleep, and I could not sleep. And something said, hey, why don't you try that thing that you just learned? And so I pulled it out. I started tapping on the different points and I started yawning. And I was like, that's interesting. So, and I just kept it up. I did another round. I went to sleep. I just fell asleep. I woke up the next morning. I never had that problem again. And I was like, what else can I try this on? And so that was the first time that it was ever an idea for me that I could slice through a symptom, come out on the other side and actually achieve wellness. Like I achieved sleep. And so I thought it was about emotional freedom techniques. I thought that intervention was just really, really powerful. Um, But then as I went back to work and I started training in different interventions like EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and then thought-filled therapy, I would use these interventions and they would do the same thing. They would get the same healing result, different paths, same result. And that just started me thinking like, what is happening here? And then I started learning about interpersonal neurobiology, which is all about brain function and health and wellness, like from the brain's perspective. And I realized, oh, the brain has a natural process for healing and resolving symptoms. And because of how we're designed, this process can get interrupted and broken and not not broken, but not be able to complete. And wherever it can't process something, that can stay stuck for a lifetime. And wherever that's not resolved, we will experience symptoms of anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress, where the brain is trying to resolve something but cannot. And so when I I realized by this time, I was already getting really great results. I was using these interventions. People were were resolving and eliminating symptoms, but I didn't know why. And so this really brought me to understanding that it's the brain. Brains are capable of doing this. Brains resolve symptoms and get rid of symptoms quickly if it can complete its process. And so then I just got rid of everything that wasn't helping the brain complete the process and off we were running and things just got even more streamlined from that point. So I want to explain a little bit about what I what I discovered during this time and the principles, brain function principles I rely on to help my clients recover from disorders. Okay, so what I discovered during this work is that our body is this sensing organ. Its whole job is to sense into what's happening outside of us and what's happening inside of us. And then its job is to give this report to the front of the brain that delivers all the information, what's going on, like what temperature it is, how we're feeling, what's around us, those those sorts of information that are really, really important. 
And its job is to get that information up there so it will gather the information and go through its communication loop and deliver and drop off these reports. What happens though is that this information that the body's reporting, if it registers as pleasure, or neutral, it will zip through the communication loop very quickly because it's it's traveling through the nervous system and it's electrical in nature. And so it's super fast. If the information that is surfacing, it's also very fast. If that information that's surfacing is pain, registers as pain in the brain, or which is the negative emotions, social pain, emotional pain, mental pain, those sorts of things, as those travel through the body, the pain neurons in our brain start firing and that lets our survival system know we're in danger. And so it responds to those pain neurons as if we are in danger and all of a sudden it shuts down the healing process and shifts us into a survival state, which is where we'll find ourselves in fight, flight, freeze, faint, or fawn. And so now it's shut down the communication loop and shifted into survival. And so what happens is that all this information the body was sending up didn't get to make it to its final destination, which is the front of the brain. And so as soon as we get into, we're, we're more calm, our survival systems realize we've, we're safe now, all of a sudden the body will get to a place where it wants to or is able to send that message up again. But because it still registers as pain, it's going to be shut down. We're going to go into a survival state. And so what happens here is we want to influence the survival system to let the communication process happen and complete even when the information registers as pain. And so we're using these interventions because the native language of the survival system is the survival system's job is to keep the body alive. So the body, if we can use the body, which we can, to send the safety signals to the survival system. Hey, we're safe now. Let this healing happen. Let this information complete. All of a sudden, the survival system will move out of the way. The communication loop completes and the brain is able to resolve those symptoms. And this is really, really powerful and much different because in talk therapy, what's happening here is we are using the native language of the front of the brain. The, the thinking center, the, the prefrontal cortex, which is talking and, and understanding and thinking, that doesn't influence the survival system. It's not a thinking center. It's not a reasoning center. And so the survival system is often not brought into these healing conversations around symptoms of anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress because we're just talking about them. We're not actually doing anything to bring the survival system into the conversation to actually allow the communication loop to complete. Does that make sense? Yes, I find that to be so fascinating. And it's funny, I actually had to teach a workshop at one of the universities not too long ago for their career center about really about dealing with career rejection. And as I was doing some of the research, I was reading about how a lot of times when we go through something like a rejection or something very difficult or disappointing for us, that our body remembers that emotional pain more so and more vividly than it would actual physical pain and that we like truly feel it in the body. And I think back to times that I've had situations going on in my life and I will feel physical pain in the body. I will feel, you know, I'll look at my Fitbit and I can tell you when I was feeling like, you know, maybe it was a workout, but it may have also been, it may have also been anxiety and just how physically we react. I think to some of these things, it's like the lion is chasing us, even though it's really just an email or a situation that's going on. And I, find it so fascinating. Yeah. And what this really means for us is that things are happening in our life that we're feeling negative emotions about. And our body is trying to send that up. And our survival system is like, we're in danger because 
we're having this community, this negative communication and off we go. So now we're in a survival state and we're actually running from our own internal information loop, but because it doesn't complete, it just stores in the body. But also what happens when this information can get to the front of the brain along that process, the pain gets converted into a different form. It's no longer pain. It actually will become information and energy that we'll, we'll use for getting things done, understanding our world. Um, it's also a lot of why we don't have any motivation because the brain is actually, we're supposed to be converting all of this emotion, positive and negative, into energy that will become our motivation. And so, but because we're not making that conversion, we're, we're finding, oh, I'm unmotivated. No, actually your brain can't make those things. It's not completing the process that it goes through to make these things. And so, but once it, once it's making its way through the process, your brain starts understanding it. It puts a timestamp on it. It's no longer just this random thing that happened that nobody understands. And your brain starts to create really accurate processes for these situations where this stuff would, would occur. For instance, if you need to go and check your email and resolve email stuff, but all of a sudden you're starting to feel anxious and procrastinating, right? If you can start using an intervention right then, you're going to open up your survival system and all that procrastination energy is going to get converted into insight, understanding, clarity, and solutions because that's what the front of the brain will do with all of that information. But what happens is this communication loop has excluded the negative information and experiences from all of these challenging experiences we've had or overwhelming experiences we've had that remain unprocessed. So all of a sudden we're trying to live our life and we're getting only half of the report. We're only getting the good information and all the bad information is not making it through. And so our brain's trying to help us navigate life, but it really doesn't understand because it's not getting the full reports of things. And I, I know that when I'm saying this, I sound like all heady and nerdy about this, but it really is the difference between overthinking something, opening the survival system, allowing that information to run to the front of the brain, and all of a sudden the looping thoughts just stop. Because it's not like they're, they're, they rush through the body and they're almost at the door of the survival system, not getting through. It won't open the door. And so it's just circling, circling, circling. We're thinking the same thoughts. Our anxiety is growing. We're starting to panic, right? All of a sudden you open that door and all that energy rushes through and it stops turning into a panic attack and turns into information, understanding, insight, and higher and better ways of being. And each one of our symptoms of anxiety, depression, and traumatic stress allow that growth, allow that transformation, allow that wellness. So our, if we can open this door and allow this stuff through finally, which does not mean you have to relive it, these interventions, you don't have to talk about them. You don't have to talk about the events. You don't have to relive them. It's better, it's better if you don't. And so, but once we get that stuff through, all of a sudden your brain has all the reports, all the little missing pieces of information, and it really can make accurate ways of being instead of just being afraid of everything or afraid of all conflict. Now it's like only afraid of some conflict, right? And, and it's more and more accurate and it's learning and it's growing and you have more freedom and more accuracy in things. And you're not like, why can't I just do this one simple thing? Well, now. Your survival, you, your, your survival system wouldn't let you. And now all of a sudden we worked with the survival system and all the information came through and processed. I mean, it makes so much sense. I know that I was having, it's a particularly busy time of the year for me at work and in some of the organizations I serve. And I remember by last Friday, I literally told somebody I feel paralyzed. I knew I had things that needed to get done. And that anxiety was just swirling. And when it came down to it, like logically, I knew, yes, if I can get this thing done, it will be much easier. But 
emotionally and even physically, I was like, I can't move. Like, I just can't do this. And I think, well, for me in that particular situation, sleep really helped, but I have definitely had other times too, where, you know, you talked about some of the practices, some of the interventions that you've done with clients. And I know like EMDR was something that helped for me kind of pushing past some of the stuckness I felt getting out of a particular relationship that was pretty traumatic in my early 20s that talk therapy took me only so far with and then going that extra mile through, you know, I guess completing the process in that way that I think made it so that 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 experience didn't affect me in as physical of a way and as almost paralyzing of a way as it had for so long. So I'd love to know, yeah, when you're working with clients, like what are some of the interventions that we can take either with a professional or as like a day-to-day when you're feeling kind of that stuckness from, you know, whether it's that trauma or the anxiety or, or what have you? Yeah. And this is really what I love to teach people because there are so many interventions and uh, we can use them at home. And that's really when our brain needs the most, most support, not just in our therapist's office, but every day, that's where it's going to run into these places where it's like, I can't, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. And we're going to notice those symptoms of anxiety, depression, or traumatic stress showing up. And we can really help our brain quickly work through those moments. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I get it. I know exactly what to do. And then the anxiety can stop or the the symptom can stop. And so the easiest one to learn really is emotional freedom techniques. And I really like to start with that one because it doesn't have any negative side effects that are known. It has no known side effects where that's not the case with an intervention like EMDR. EMDR can have some really awful side effects if it's not the right fit. And that's really important to, for me is to find the right fit for the right person, the right intervention for the right person. Once we've got one that helps their brain through this process and you can see exact signs that, okay, this is working. You might notice your body calming. You might notice less emotional reasoning, more logical reasoning. As the information moves to the front of the brain, you're going to see more front brain activity, which is the accurate thinking or insights or new information, epiphanies, and also solutions. Solutions will start to generate at some point. So if any one of those things happen, you just feel better, or you're noticing more insights or those sorts of things, then the intervention you're using is working. And the one that is the easiest to learn has great results and is the quickest is emotional freedom techniques. And so that one is a tapping intervention. You're tapping on different points. We can do an experiential experience with that (laughs) experiential experience right now, if we want to, that's the one I send out first. When people join my email list, that's the one that I'm, I like offering a training video to that because if you can try these out and experiment with them, then you don't have to be told how they work or what you can feel it. And when you know what you're looking for, you can say, yep, yep, no, yes, no. And you can, you can figure out within seconds, 30 seconds or so, if that intervention is going to work for you or not. And I love that we can get this kind of data so quickly so that we can not waste time. Like it's just time to heal. And if that intervention's not doing it, let's move to the next one. Let's try that one out as well. And so mm-hmm. there's another one from Thoughtfield Therapy that I love that's called Collarbone Breathing. It's my favorite trauma processing intervention. That's the second video I send out in my email list. And so where I say, hey, follow along with me and try this out. And people can really see how it impacts their body, how it impacts their emotional experience and just watch their, their body be able to process 
these symptoms and get rid of symptoms so quickly. And it's uh, when I ha- do this with clients, often they'll say, is this magic? Like, what are you doing to me? Is this magic. And like, no, this is healthy brain function. This is what your brain should be doing. It's what it should have been doing this whole time. But it wasn't able to get the survival system. We weren't able to get past that. And so here we're going to use these mind-body interventions to use the body to send the information to the survival system. Hey, we're safe. And all of a sudden the whole process, the whole brain can work together to resolve these issues where before the survival system thought we were in danger. It's not a thinking center. We don't need to question it. We just need to support it so that we can convince it to participate with our healing. And, you know, what's interesting is that we, we intuitively know we have to use our body to work with our emotions. This is why when we're working with, we have a baby or when their babies around and they're crying, we, we pick them up and we, we shh in their ear to engage their, their senses. We pat them on the back. We rock them. We're working with their body to send the message to their survival system. We're safe. You can let healing happen. You can let this learning and experience happen. And all of a sudden they calm down and they're growing and learning from their experiences. We also know this is true that if we get upset, we're going to reach for food. We're going to reach for a cigarette. We're going to our body in some activity to shift ourselves out of survival mode back into a regulated state. This is actually how brains work. And so instead of using some of these other methods, I mean, it's fabulous to be rocked. It's fabulous to, you know, right. But we don't want to always have to use or cry, right? Crying is a powerful healing intervention, but you don't want to have to cry or eat your way through an anxiety, depression, or trauma disorder. And so here we can use some of these more specific interventions that, you know, in, in tapping and emotional freedom techniques, we're using um, the meridian system. You know, in EMDR, we're using the eye movement like we do in sleep, the REM sleep. These are already modes of healing and communication the body is already using. So we're just we're, we're using them specifically to to work with the survival system. And then we can get the same result quicker, more intentionally. And we don't have to just wait and hope things align. We can actually manually work with our survival system and complete these symptoms and get them out of our way one after another, after another, after another. And I think that's so important. I love that, you know, I, I've had times where, yes, crying in the moment, it was a really nice release. But sometimes you're in a situation where, the, you know, you're at work or you're out in public where maybe crying isn't the safest option for you or whatever the case may be. But you can kind of like if I'm on the phone, sometimes I do find myself doing a little bit of that tapping. If it's a stressful situation, they can't see it but it's going to calm me down or sometimes the breath or I had somebody talking about having kind of a self-care kit. And I remember using rose water, even just kind of breathing that in. And I thought, you know, yeah, this is, this is something that's calming me that I can do in the moment that's appropriate for the setting that I'm in versus, you know, you might not, yeah, you might not be able to light a cigarette in the office. That's right. You don't want to light that cigarette anymore. But nervous systems must be regulated. To be in a dysregulated survival state is very expensive emotionally, chemically. We burn through vitamins and minerals. We are burning through so many things to be in a survival state. It's a high powered like use of resources. And so it's potentially against our survival interest to stay there. And so then our survival system then kicks in to like, we're not going to survive the survival state. 
And so let's shift out. And now it's driving you to eat or smoke or have all this sex or, or binge all this um, Netflix or eat or any of the things that we're doing just to be regulated. But if we understand, we need that regulation. It is actually how we learn, how we grow, how we, we become mature. It is vital to many of our healing and wellness practices. And you can kind of understand and be compassionate with that process instead of feeling like, oh, I just eat. Oh, I just smoke. Oh, I just can't stop these things. No, you are really, your nervous system really needs to be regulated and it's really doing its best efforts to do that. Why don't we use a different intervention? So many of us grew up and we, we're just, we didn't get a lot of comfort. We didn't get a lot of our needs met. So our nervous system didn't learn how to do that. And so because it doesn't get to do that very much, it doesn't get to mature. It doesn't get to build this beautiful infrastructure of comfort and processing all these emotions and different emotions. And so it really, and that's really why it gets behind. These things happen in our childhood and we're not, you know, our, we, our ability to process all of it lags and then it just stays in our system, doesn't get resolved. And it's just, this is gosh, you know, it's just, if we can understand this, I just think there's so much more room for compassion and then right actions. You know, a lot of us think we should just get over it. We should, we should mm -hmm. just go, we should just think positive, but the brain has a process for each of those things. And it has to complete its process to accomplish those things. It's not a decision that you make with the prefrontal cortex, with the front of your brain. It's something that your body and mind have to figure out based on they were able to complete their own process. They were able to gather this information and deliver it to the front of the brain. The front of the brain sorts that out and it creates more understanding that goes back into the mind and body and we become more accurate and mature that way. And we let things go through that process. If you're not letting things go, that process isn't working. Yeah, I think there are so many people we, you know, we want to turn almost to that, you know, they call it the toxic positivity, but a lot of times like something happens and you should be upset if you feel right. upset. It was a difficult thing that happened or maybe you're grieving something, but just getting over. It. And then a lot of times I think too, when we're thinking, oh, I should just get over it, then we're beating ourselves up for not being over it. And I feel like it's just tenfold yes. worse than, yeah, than it ever would have been. That's right. That's right. And that's really where we find disorders, like where one problem creates another problem that spirals into another problem that spirals into another one. Right. And then we have to avoid whole areas of our life so we don't get triggered. So that whole problem doesn't start again. And now we just lost some areas of our life. And it's just like the brain sorts this stuff out. And now that we have interventions and we have this knowledge of how to work with our brain differently, we can walk our brain through its natural healing process one after another after another. And that healing process is the brain's natural symptom resolution process. And off we're running and we can really have our brain sort out these complex problems for us and build in these wellness features like feeling safe for the first time or feeling joyful or being able to connect more deeply or coming out of numbness and being able to feel again or feeling a sense of openness and joy and self-confidence. There's so many things when we're in survival state, we're not in this creative space where we're learning how to do new healthful things. And really that's some of the beauty of this is that the more we can resolve these other issues, then the brain will automatically start building some of these other things. And we can even help it intentionally, which is one of the things I really like to help people do. And which is part of my program and process. We want to do the healing, but then we also want to give the brain the support to build in the other things that it can do and needs to be doing. 
Absolutely. And now I'm curious too, because I feel like there are a lot of people who hear this, they know it's something they should be doing, but we hear about like the strong friend. And I've always been the one too, where when I'm struggling with something, I have that power through mentality and that can sometimes affect me negatively. And I I know it does that for other people too. And I'd love to know, how do you kind of shift your perspective on that a little bit? Or when you're working with a client who's like, no, I just need to get through this. Like, what can we do to change? the way that we're thinking about this type of work and start making those changes. Yeah. You know, the strong one, which I tend to be one of those as well, and that was the role I played in my family of origin as well. So I've gotten to be very up close and personal in deconstructing this and understanding what is this and why is this happening? Um, to if we have these issues and we learn how to suppress them and repress them, all of a sudden we can perform as if they were never there. And so we really build those in very strongly. A lot of times we're conditioned by our environment. Don't give space to that. And a lot of times, like my mother had pretty severe depression. And so I didn't want that to happen to me. And so I did the opposite of what she did, which she tried to into it and heal it, but she ended up spiraling down. I just learned to avoid it entirely. And then we don't have to go in there. Stay positive, stay focused, stay driven, stay active. And a lot of those features, we're hijacking the brain to not go into healing functions. And we do this because those we intuitively know those healing functions are not going to work anyway. They're impaired and we don't know how to work them. And so we just stay in the positive because we're not going down there. But this means that we are experiencing lots of things and we will filter it out. We're experiencing lots of negative things like we're hurt or we're disappointed or we're sad. And we just filter it out and our brain makes it disappear and we don't ever find it. It's still in our body. And for the strong one, it's really important to understand we need all of the reports in our life. If we want to make pain stop, we got to get the report about why pain is happening. We've got to get the pain reports because then all of a sudden our brain is like, oh, I get it. For instance, if you're walking down a hall and you bump into something in your shoulder and all of a sudden your body says, whoa, that didn't feel good. And it's going to deliver the report that when you walk down this this hallway, there's something there. And your brain's going to say, oh, okay, let's make a new way of walking down the hallway. We're going to take a couple steps to the left when we get to this area. So the next time you walk down the hallway, you're not going to bump into that. But if your shoulder is sending this report and it's not getting up there, you won't see any changes in how you walk through the hall and you'll walk in and you'll bump that thing over and over and over again until your survival system's like, this is crazy. This isn't safe to walk down here. Now we're afraid of the whole hallway. And so for the strong one, it's like we need to have some really great experiences moving these negative emotions through. And so what I like to do is really just take some very small ones, whichever one the person feels is kind of safe to work with, could be anger, could be disappointment, could be sadness. It's very different for different people, loneliness, abandonment, any one of those. If we can just take a little pinch of that and move it through the healing process and they get to feel what it feels like in their body for it to feel like pain and then to go through this process, the pain resolves, their insight comes up, they start seeing new solutions and they actually start to watch their system change and watch their response to the world change. All of a sudden they're like, hmm, that wasn't so bad. Maybe I could do this. And then we go back and we do it again and we start making it safe and productive for them to be angry 
or sad or hurt or disappointed. And their brain starts to be like, okay, well, we don't actually have to be afraid of some of these negative emotions. As a matter of fact, they actually help us. And so after they get to a certain point with working with these negative emotions, they're like, actually, you know what, let's do this. And will start leaning into some of these more negative experiences and they will start integrating them. And when we're finished processing an experience, it's stored just like a trip to a restaurant with friends is stored. Like it's something that happened, it occurred, it's over, that's that. Even if it was awful things that occurred in childhood or in recent history. And so we're afraid of these, the going back to these memories because we know they're loaded with pain and we're afraid to touch that pain. But really these interventions help our, our system desensitize the pain, process the pain and convert it into something different and then restore these memories in a way that actually help us because they're ours, they're not going away. But when they're pulled up the next time, they can actually help us navigate well instead of, I don't know what to do with this. It's so painful. Now we're dissociating. Now we're panicking, right? That's not functional or sustainable. I mean, that's something I found so helpful going through the EMDR therapy a few years ago and noticing that a situation that had me at like a 10 in terms of pain, yeah. you know, now it's, it's a memory. It's not a pleasant memory. It, it still shapes some things here and there, but having it at like a two, I mean, that's such a huge difference that I don't feel it so intensely in my body anymore and that I can remember it and kind of remember insights that I like even take things that I've learned from it at this point right. that change the way that I that I handle things now and the way that I approach certain situations, I think in a positive way. And I, I think none of us deserve the bad things that happen to us. But if we can figure out ways to move through them and if we can gain meaning from them, great. If if not, at least to not have them affect us so deeply on a day to day basis. I mean, what an empowering thing for us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's that's really how what the goal is. When the brain can really understand these things, it doesn't have to control us. It doesn't have to shift us into the survival state. We can be in that relaxed open space where we in the right survival states shut down our thinking center. So uh, that means we only get about 20% of the activity in our thinking center at all when we're triggered, which means that we we can't think as well. We we get more foggy. We don't have access to our resources or our, our morals or our values and all of a sudden we're just kind of animals doing things. And all of a sudden we're we're working with our brain differently and we're able to even we're able to bring that whole experience into that prefrontal cortex right where we understand that it, it's connected now with our with our insights and our resources and our knowing and our wisdom and our growth and in our maturity and all of a sudden life is just better it's a big chunk of something that made its way through and now will be part of helping us instead of hurting us because the brain is always reaching back to grab the events that happen to us to understand the present and the future. That's just what it does. And what we want is when you reach back for something to bring it forward, we want it already reprocessed. We want it already healed. We want the pain sucked out and converted. We want it to be something that's going to be helpful and not something that is unprocessed, still covered in pain. And now we're trying to understand the present moment and the future moment. And now all of a sudden this pain is running through our nervous system and we're dissociated, panicking, worrying, thinking nauseous and all the things. It's just computer programming 
but for the body. And it's just so much, it's so powerful to see in a 30 second time frame, watch your, your be afraid of something and then no longer afraid of something. And really with these complex issues like past traumatic events, you know, we're talking about 20 to 40 minutes of, in, of intervention use. And all of a sudden the brain took something that we were terrified of or avoiding. And now it's like, ah, no big deal. Yep. If this were to happen again, this is what I would do. This is what I do. This is what I would do. And I got this. Again, that's so empowering to be able to take that from it rather than I think so often things kind of happen to us and there isn't that control over the situation and it can feel so passive. And I feel like you take your power back a little bit when you can find those ways that you process it. Yeah, exactly. There's so many layers of awesome about this. This is actually how we integrate all of these experiences into who we are. And we spend so much time wanting to separate ourselves from them and be disconnected from them. But really, they're part of us. They're ours. And we ha- we really want a way of being with these things and with ourselves that went through them. So it's, it's really about becoming whole. It's about reconnecting with ourselves and um, having aspects of, of parts of who we are that are that are us and we can, we can be with them and not be separated with them because of all the pain that's associated with them. And so what happens at the end of this stuff is that people just feel more whole. They feel more capable. They feel more authentic and they just feel more empowered. And the truth is they have more power. More of their power is being used to live their life, reach their goals than it is or was being used for survival and to avoid the pain that is running through their nervous system and not activating things and not getting triggered or managing triggers. All of a sudden, when that stops, all of a sudden, there's all this energy we can use for our goals, for our dreams, to problem solve relationship issues, to connect more deeply, to feel a sense of belonging, to create community, all of those things, because we're not having to do this unconscious work with suppressing all of this pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of an up-leveling almost, and I feel like there's so many different layers to this, and I think that certainly for some of the really, you know, especially the big T trauma, really taking that time and having some of those practices in office or with dedicated time set aside for it, but in terms of, I think we also, to build that resilience, there are those daily practices and some of those things to almost be using as a preventive measure. Do you have suggestions for those or do they fall into a lot of this, you know, similar category? You know, I love lots of things, but really I always start with EFT. I love to have my clients use EMDR music passively, like throughout their day. That's music that will do alternating bilateral stimulation. It's not for everybody. I really assess people before I recommend it. And I make sure they're equipped with with another intervention like EFT so that if things become too intense or they feel like the bilateral movement is opening to too many things that they're not ready for, they can stop it. And then they can use this other intervention to really stabilize and heal and, and really be well and establish that wellness. And so there's tons of practices and I really like to customize that for people. And I like people when I'm not working with them to customize it for themselves. And so really the thing, what I would recommend is start with a, grab an intervention, use it, experiment with it, take it for a week and use it when you're feeling frustrated, when you're feeling sad, any of the negative emotions that you know, your brain's going to struggle with that. It's going to, your survival system thinks it's going to die. 
And so you're going to work with your survival system to let this negative emotion through and just practice that for a week and see what you notice. See if you start feeling calmer. See if you start feeling more impressed with your new ways of being and just really see what you'll resolve symptoms. I mean, that that's pretty much always the case if you use it long enough. People don't always have all the skills they need to resolve symptoms, but very often when you just help the brain with this process, it's already trying to resolve these symptoms. So it's like, oh, great. Thank you. And all of a sudden you don't see a panic attack anymore. Just like for me, it was like that insomnia. I just did that intervention two rounds for like a minute and done with insomnia forever. There's always symptoms like that. I, I had a client in the first week, um, she would have depression every morning. We start having her experimenting with these interventions, helping herself. She comes back in, she's like, I baked a cake. You have no idea how important that is. I used to bake all the time. Since this is depression, I haven't had any energy. And all of a sudden here I am baking again. And so I thought we were gonna, it was gonna take us some time with that one. No, her brain was like, done with that. We've been working on that. Woo finished. And so I would just, there's, even with no skill, you can create so much healing and mental space for yourself and relaxation and really start supporting your brain in its desire to create your wellness. And then if you're not so impressed after a week, grab a different intervention and try that one out and experiment and see what it feels like in your body. See what you notice. See if anybody outside you says, you seem a little calmer. My clients, that's what they'll say. Like uh, one client who is like, she always has angry outbursts. Um, her husband's like, yes, I like this therapy. I don't even know what you're doing over there, <laughs> but you're calmer, yeah. you know? And she's a very kind woman, but she has a big trauma history and she's she's suppressed her anger for a really long time and it's leaking through. Well, we're helping her brain process it. And now she's it's becoming wisdom for her. And so even with no skill, <laughs> literally yeah. resolve some really powerful symptoms that you may have thought you'd never could get rid of. So that, those are some recommendations I have for that. I think that's great. And I, I love also the recommendation too, of just listening to the people around you because they can hold up such a mirror for what we don't realize. And I think about even as a child and my poor dad, who is probably the number one listener to the show. Um, but he, I remember as a kid when, like when the economy wasn't doing well and things were not great at work and he took on a meditation practice and suddenly it was like dad can handle stress a lot better and we all noticed it at a very young age and I think that that's very eye-opening to a person when the people around them who may not know a hundred percent of what they're going through can say I see a change in you or in how you react to this thing we because we're living in our bodies every day and we don't necessarily stop to give ourselves the space to recognize that so I think that's so a huge thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's fun. <laughs> I'm all about the results. Like if it's not working, oh, yeah. it's rough to something else, you know, which is why I'm trained in, in so many interventions. So when I'm hearing, like I always ask my clients, what inter, inner world transformations are you noticing? And what are you observing? A lot of times they're like, I'm less anxious. I'm, I'm not eating like I was eating, you know? And they're like, is that because of this tapping? I've seen brain growth. I'm, I mean, your brain's processing stuff. That's, these interventions are just helpers, but your, your system was already trying to do this work and it's now showing up. Your brain is getting the support it needs to rock what it can do. And it's, it's fantastic. So getting that feedback or just that feedback mm -hmm. internally knowing, wow, wow, I didn't freak out like I would have. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, we're winning. You know, yes, that's it. And it 
like once you're stringing together a little bit of wellness over here and a resolved issue over here, all of a sudden things just start coming together so beautifully. And that's, that's just, it's really about the results. I don't, I don't really, I don't want people in therapy for years and I don't want people in therapy for years, hoping that it's going to work and not knowing if it is or not. Like, you know, we know very quickly if it's working. And so I could preach about that all day long. Um, we should be getting results. We should, our, our brains are electrical. We should see electrical transformation even right before our eyes, if we know what we're looking for. So I love that. I, I think that's so powerful. And I think a lot of people have been in therapy for a long time working to resolve the same issues and to know that there are interventions out there that we can use to start healing and to push past some of the blocks we've had for many years. I think that's so, so powerful. And I, I did want to ask you too, because we're coming to a time of the year that I think can be stressful for a lot of people. And we say it's the happiest time of the year, the most magical time of the year. But I think the holiday season in particular, we get into that fight or flight, maybe with family, maybe with all of the consumerism or what, whatever it may be that, that stresses people out this time of year. But do you have tips for how we can get through this time? Yeah, I think, gosh, I really would like to see these holidays hold space for some of the negative experiences we're having because a lot of the messaging is very, it's wonderful, it's awesome. Well, you lose a parent and then do Christmas again and see without them and see how fantastic that is, right? Um, we're mm-hmm. to ignore that and ignore the grief we're experiencing right here and be all in the holiday. No. And I think we're leaving ourselves out. We're leaving our negative experiences out and we're leaving people out that can't resonate with the happiness of the season or the trauma processing that the, the season brings out. And so I don't want it to go all dark and negative, but I'd like to see a little bit of yin and yang, a little dark and light, a little mixing and blending together and, and harmonizing and integrating these things. So what I would say is be aware, honor all of your emotions. When you're, when you're in a family that is unhealthy and has some powerful unhealthy family dynamics, honor that, honor the fact that it's, you're, you're experiencing pain, you're experiencing anxiety, just thinking about meeting with people. What are they going to say? How are they going to try to remind you of shameful past memories or, or try and dominate you or scapegoat you? I mean, honoring that. And I think if we can honor that and by all means, pick up an intervention and use an intervention while you're doing this, because that way, when you're doing this, it's getting through the process. Your communication loop is completing. You're not just bringing it up, just have your survival system, push it back down and bring it up and push it down, push it. We don't need to do that anymore. So, but if we can just hold space for some of these negative experiences and process them, use an intervention at the same time, all of a sudden our brain naturally shifts back to the positive and now we're having a more integrated experience with ourselves, with others, and we're more empathetic, we're more compassionate, we're more kind and less on edge, less anxious, and, and we're not having to repress all this pain. We can actually just process it. And let our brains work its magic and and process this stuff, turn it into our next levels of wellness, joy, peace, connection, and healthier ways of being. I love that. 
because I do think it can be really challenging, even if you have a fantastic relationship with the people around you. I think after losing my grandmother, certain holidays were very difficult for our family to, to get through. And it was a shared grief. And so that at least was helpful. But I think it can be very challenging when you see it around everywhere and you think, well, this is the time where I have to be thankful and I have to be merry and I have to have all of these positive overflowing feelings. And I think recognizing that it is a little bit of a a mix for some of us and honoring that there's a lot of power in that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that that is so, so helpful. And I love the interventions that you practice. We do have some rapid fire questions I'd love to dive into, but I actually had not heard of this before. You talked about the collarbone breathing and how it was a part of thought-filled therapy. Can you just share a little bit about what thought-filled therapy is and what those interventions look like too? Yeah. Thought-filled therapy was developed by Roger Callahan and he started playing around kind of very similar to myself, just was not happy with the results he was getting as a traditional talk therapist. And he started doing some work with applied kinesiologists, chiropractors that were starting to integrate acupuncture into chiropractic care. So he found that we could use these meridian points for emotional wellness and the chiropractors use it for entirely different things. It's pretty cool. And so he just found you could tap on these points on on the body and then the brain, we would you would notice healing happening. He started resolving phobias and anxiety with this work. And so it's actually the parent intervention for emotional freedom techniques. Emotional freedom techniques came later when Gary Craig wanted to simplify the process. And he also added words to it. He added all this stuff and made it very simple. And so thought-filled therapy, that's, it's, it's a tapping intervention. And one of the interventions in it is called collarbone breathing, and it combines a breathing exercise with meridian tapping. And so breathing exercises really manually help us to operate and shift into a parasympathetic state, which we're, we're shifting from fight or flight into rest and relax. And we're, we're kind of, we're just flipping a switch by using the body's own switches. Like the body just naturally does this. So we can do it intentionally. We can breathe in an intentional way that shifts us here. And once we're in that parasympathetic, that's really where the resting, the relaxation, the healing, and the restoration is happening, the rest and digest. Uh, I I think of it also as digesting our emotions and our experiences and actually getting them through the digestion process, which is exactly what I'm talking about here, completing the process. And so um, this, so the intervention is, it's pretty complex. It's like chewing gum, jumping rope, and holding a conversation all at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. Once you learn it, there's a specific breathing pattern. You tap on specific points and you're holding points. And so I have written instructions that for somebody like myself who does not follow written instructions is a nightmare. Um, and I also have a, a video that, that you can just do it with me. And they, and once you can do that, it's, it's really, really powerful. And you can learn it and it's very easy. I got this after emotional freedom techniques. And like I said, I was already getting really great results with emotional freedom techniques. I was just being nosy in the world and try like, what else is out there? So what I noticed with the emotional freedom techniques is that there were somatic sensations in the body, which are most frequently memories that they're just, they're stored in the body, but they're in the language of the body, which is physical sensation. 
So these, they're, they're these complex things that have to make it through the healing process. And I'd be tapping on them, tapping on them, tapping on them. And it really wouldn't get a whole lot of result. So when I got this other intervention, this collarbone breathing, I had a client who could not eat and they were on Ensure. They were young. They should not have been on Ensure. They had lost all this weight. Their stomach was like, I quit. I'm not doing this with you and or anybody else for that matter. And I had them use collarbone breathing while thinking about what's going on in their stomach. And after that day, we did two rounds of this collarbone breathing and they were able to eat again and totally reverse all that weight loss and and problem they were experiencing. I had no idea. I don't even know to this day what was going on in their stomach, what memories were in there, what what emotion was in there. It was just energetic, emotional distress. So once I got a hold of this intervention, it opened up so many more things I could help people recover from. And now I like to think of it like emotional freedom techniques is so simple. And so I'll give that to people to get going. And then it's like, if they come to a stuck part, that's when I'm like, let's pull out collarbone breathing. Cause I think of it as this big sledgehammer that you just, you know, you have a big symptom here and it's not resolving with tapping. So you're just going to kibosh it with this hammer. It takes about two minutes. So it's, and it's more complex, but it just does so much healing work. And then it's like, all of a sudden, I don't know if it like kablooies things into like a bunch of little pieces that the brain can now process, or I don't know what exactly is going on. Maybe it just helps the survival system just take a total two minute vacation and let's get all this energy through and all this information and pain through. And now that it's through, we're done, but it's, it's just really incredibly transformational. So it's definitely worth learning. It's definitely worth having in your back pocket. And um, even if it's not one's favorite intervention, it, it can really make a big difference between five more days of tapping and one or two uses of collarbone breathing. That's amazing. Like as you were starting to describe it in the beginning, I was thinking that does sound a lot like EFT, but so to have kind of that next level almost to it so that if you're finding some positive result from it, but you're just, it's just not enough having a little bit extra in that intervention, I think could be so huge. Yeah. And, and I, I just find that, you know, I haven't met a symptom that doesn't resolve. And part of that's because brain heal. Um, part of that is because I know that this symptom should be resolving and I'm just going to be persistent until it resolves. And another part is, is that I have such a nice blend of interventions that if this one doesn't work, we're going to use the next one. And the next one, we're going to find out how we can help your brain process and resolve this symptom regardless of what it is. And so I haven't met a symptom that doesn't resolve with one of these interventions. I love that. Well, I think just add, like continuing to add to our tool belts, I think that's like so powerful. And there's going to be something that works, even if it doesn't work for everybody. It is You are going to find something that works for that particular person. Yeah, exactly. And that's really empowering because yeah. in the EMDR community, EMDR is, is held in such a high place, but you can't really use it with everybody. And sometimes you have to use talk strategies until somebody's ready to get there. But that could be six months into it. And I'm like, we could use one of these other interventions, start healing right away. It doesn't have the same negative side effects. And if, if this one doesn't work, let's go to the next one. Let's not prolong someone's healing for the next six months. I mean, these disorders are incredibly painful. Let's start mm -hmm. them apart now using whichever interventions we need. So I really hope that in the future, I mean, EMDR is a fantastic intervention and let's make sure that we have 
what fits the person, not just hold on to cool interventions. Yeah. I mean, and you're so right because it was something I had started it with a therapist and then that therapist had left the practice and it had been a long time before I revisited it and before I was really ready to revisit it. And that's right. I think, you know, again, I am so grateful for it. And it really introduced me to the fact that our bodies do hold so much of that pain and made me feel a lot less, I hate to say crazy, but I felt like, why am I feeling this in my chest and in my stomach? And I would feel the thing so physically and so intensely and now understanding why. But if you can do that in less time, I mean, I think we all want that time back. That's right. That's We've got things to do. I mean, I <laughs> I have babies to love, adventures to go on, you know, dragging oh, yeah. and navigating symptoms is not time I would like to do. If we need to, yeah, let's do that. And let's move on. Let's not stay stuck for six months or a year or two or, or decades. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And just to kind of switch gears a little bit and to get into a little bit of, you know, the adventures that you're looking forward to, I'd love to ask you a few rapid fire questions to get to know you a little bit better as well. Sure. Awesome. Well, my first one for you would be, what is your top wellness tip? Escort social, emotional, and mental pain through the brain's healing process. It doesn't always get through on its own, escort it. And by that, I mean, whichever intervention you use. I mean, I don't really want to be the judge of that intervention. It works or it doesn't work. And so uh, yeah. that's that would be the ultimate advice I would give. However you do it, do it. Make sure it gets through. Make sure that um, be the servant of your survival system. It's going to be the one that shuts you down or lets you live well. So serve it. Yeah. Yeah. Guide it through. Make sure it completes. That's right. Make sure it will let healing happen. Let your growth and maturity happen and not keep you stuck in cycles you don't want to be in anymore. And do that as often as you need to. If some people really are just in a maintenance phase and 15 minutes a day will do it, five minutes a day. You know, other people are in the process of resolving disorders. I have people, I recommend two hour, up to two hours a day of this work, of specific and targeted brain work. And so um, wherever you're at in the journey, do it. It's so worth it. I love that. And I, lo- I love the individual approach to that too. Because again, our, our brains are just all so different and there may be different ways that we can that, that are going to work for some of us where others may benefit from other modalities. So I think that that's such a great tip. Now on a very different note, where is your favorite travel destination or somewhere that you'd like to go? Oh gosh, my favorite travel destination really is Florida. I really love yeah. my to go li- like on my places to go list is Fiji. And I'm really starting to pick up a desire just to wander the world. Yeah. I think, you know, after being cooped up for so long, I think I am so ready for that myself. Yeah, perhaps that's what it is. I like, I don't know what's come over me, but it's there. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? A kangaroo is coming up in my mind. Ooh. (laughs) I love that. I'm not certain why that is the case. But that's what's coming up right now. But I haven't really thought about it before. And so if I were asked in this very moment, and that would be my ultimate choice, I don't know if I would really say that. Under pressure, I don't know (laughs) the actual reality I would choose. But I'm going to go with kangaroo. I love it. Well, you are a mom. And I feel like I associate them very close with their babies. And 
they also, you know, we've never gotten kangaroo on the show before, too. So it's just a nice, unique answer. Yeah. I love it. And you could hop around, too. And, and maybe maybe the wandering, you get to the next place a little faster. Perhaps. And I, I think that they're kind of cutely annoying. Because I experienced, like, got to know them through, like, picture books, like child stuff that is so cute and interesting and exotic and fun. And then as you get to know them from like, you have to live with them on your property and they do all these things. And I'm just like, you know, you get to see both sides of this little thing and there's anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm for the kangaroo. I love that. A great answer. Now, if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? Okay. I was going to go with meditation. Like that would be awesome. But then I was like, okay, wait, hold on. Teleportation. Ooh. I am I sign me up when the, the classes go live. Send me <laughs> If I can figure that out and start a class, then I you'll be one of the first I call because that sounds absolutely amazing. <laughs> yes. After all this cell phone and video stuff and like the whole back to the future stuff that you know those movies we used to watch oh yeah generation and then to see that stuff actually happening I'm just like whatever at this point it's all happened like when teleportation becomes a thing let me know I'm in yes I know and yeah shorten those commute times get to our places faster get to we get to see a lot more on the vacation time for sure and yeah (laughs) that I love that that's awesome less time in the airport right yes maybe that's why it has not come out yet yeah the airlines are um (laughs) they're they're keeping it hush hush (laughs) right oh that is too funny um my final rapid fire for you uh what's next on your bucket list and this can be any area of life professional personal travel really whatever it is that you would say you're looking forward to I'm going to go with professional. I'm interested in learning one specific past life regression. Um, I like to, I will play with the brain from any angle it wants to play with. And because sometimes it has a hard time resolving or accessing information about past traumas from a logical perspective. And so I started getting into past life work for that reason to like, well, let's throw this, let's tell me about it from three lifetimes ago. Right. And then all of a sudden all this information comes through and they process it and they resolve the trauma from this lifetime. So that was really, really powerful. The more I've done that, the more I'm like, "Mm, maybe there's something there, you know, also now teleportation could be a thing, but there's a different method of past life regression that really gets the body involved a little bit differently that I'm going to be studying soon. So that's what's what is that called? Well, it's it's an Eden method and it's it's an Eden energy medicine thing. You get to learn it in your fourth year. And so I've been taking her training for this one class for four years. Wow. So I could get to this place to take this class. And so I'm finally here and I have to finish this this class right before it. And so hopefully in the spring, I will be able to take that regression class. And I have seen it happen. I've seen someone do it. And when I, and they're, the person, just their whole body started reenacting the past life scene, just because this person was holding these specific points on the body. There wasn't any wow. words, there wasn't any setup, there wasn't any talking. All of a sudden we're holding points and this person starts fleeing from some awful thing. So I'm watching this and I am like, that's awful. 
takes these backsies. I'm not doing that class. I don't ever want to see it. But she, after she finishes that thing, and I'm watching in horror because I'm watching this woman's body flee from some, she's, you know, it's, this is the end scene in that lifetime. And Mm -hmm. she, you know, the woman takes her hands off the points and the woman sits up and she's like, that was amazing. That was wow. so powerful. And I am like, woman, you have lost your mind. And I don't know why I'm yeah. out with you all. And I want my money back. And but, <laughs> but it was really powerful. And then um, fast forward, I had a very similar session. And I just, my body went back. I went to three different past lives. And I could just see this. my body was doing the actions like outside of my control. And I was like, this is some crazy stuff. What is happening here? And so I am one of those people like, what is happening here? Why does this work? Like I'm, I you know, um, th- that's why, like, I could just be one of the EFT tappers and the, the EMDRs that just do the practice, but I need to know why does this work? And, yeah. and I go figure out why it works. And I don't know that I'm going to get answers with past life regression work and why this works, except for, for what I conclude is that it, even if we're just working through the subconscious, we're, I don't know. Why would that happen? So I need to play with that. I need to take that training. <laughs> I need to yes. What is happening here? But also it does allow me another avenue to meet somebody where they're at and make sure that we resolve whatever symptoms that they need to resolve. That is so cool. I've always been so curious about past life regression. And yeah, I mean, even if it is just diving somewhere into the subconscious, even if it's that, I mean, that's still resolving something that's still, that's still some trauma that's being held within. So I mean, you're, there's, yeah. And it's kind of like, maybe it's dream life. Maybe we're accessing some, some dream stuff. I don't know, but I'm like, you know, the way I do past life regression now is not with, I don't bring the body involved. The body does respond like with sensations and things like that, but like to have the body act it out, like, what is that? Like, what is happening neurologically that that is so, and of course I like to do the experiential stuff first. So I got to go get the intervention, play with it. And then I'm going to go hang out with the nerds who are talking about this. And then I'm going to like, we're going to, I'm going to compare their data and their research and see what's going on in the fMRIs when this is taken, you know, I need to do all that, but I like to start with the, the experience. Absolutely. See, yeah. See it for yourself and know, I, I love that. I think that that's such a cool bucket list item and I'm so excited for you to get to take that class and to get to get to take it pretty soon too. Yeah. And it's I think it's that I like to experience it first like uninfluenced and just like what do I feel? What do I think? What do I what what's what's my experience with this? And then I really like to hear the whole collective. Yeah. 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 And then you can bring that when you, you know, if it is something you decide to then use when you're working with clients, then you know firsthand, well, this is how this affected me. You kind of have an idea of what their bodies might be going through, even though we might all respond a little differently. You have that basis. Absolutely. That That's yes. So cool. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, Rachel, this has been so lovely. I have learned a ton. This really inspires me to kind of pick back up on the EFT too. It was something I was kind of starting to do. And I think that all of this is just so empowering, especially at a time, again, that can be really triggering or just challenging for people 
So I'd love to know before I let you go, how can listeners who may be interested in trying some of these out um, or connecting with you, how can they find you and get connected? Yeah, my website's the best place. And uh, that's rachelmcleod.com. And I'm going to spell that. I know you're going to have a link here, but I'm going to spell that anyway, because it's spelled like Rochelle. So that's R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E. M-C-C-L-O-U-D.com. And there I have, um, you can join my email list. You can watch the, where I explain the, I break down the exact process that the brain goes through for healing and why we're using interventions. And I do that in not nerd language. So diagrams, it's really well done piece of work. I'm really proud of it. And then I also the healing opportunities I offer on there, like the workshops I offer and the online course that I have for resolving symptoms of anxiety, depression, traumatic stress, and really doing that in, in that two to six month time frame but really it's it's delivered like a recipe you do this and you do that and then really resolving the disorders and so i also offer an intensive coaching program that's on there as well and so uh, that's really the place to go and, and connect with me and really dive into the work and learn some interventions play around with your brain and see what happens for you i think that's so cool and i'll be sure to link it in the show notes i i love the idea of having these courses to like as a recipe so that because I do think we hear about modalities and we think oh my gosh where do I even start and to really have it almost prescribed to you as okay so try this first and from a professional here's here's some of the steps to take I think that that's so powerful and so healing and I just really love what you're doing so I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with our audience today and for sharing these interventions with us and really opening our eyes to this. Thank you. It was really wonderful to do this. And, and I just, I love being part of these, these conversations, opening doors and really not hoarding what we know, like really giving it away, giving people the opportunity to really change their life. And we, we don't have to suffer with this stuff anymore. We really can, can just live well. I love learning about the science behind healing from trauma and depression and the fact that these interventions can really help people experience healing that much faster. I've been experimenting with EFT, but there are so many other modalities I still haven't tried. So I really learned a lot from this conversation and felt like Rachel shared some great practical tips, especially as we're heading into a stressful season of the year for so many of us. So really enjoyed our conversation, loved what she had to say about being the strong friend. I know that's something I often fall into, and I'm sure many of you do as well. So if you're interested, be sure to connect with Rachel. I have linked her information in the show notes, and I'm sure she would love to hear from you. So be sure to reach out to her. And as always, as I say every single week, thank you for tuning into the show and for sharing this part of your day with me. If there's a topic you'd like us to explore in a future episode, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. I'm at wellness and wanderlust blog. You can also email me at Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E at wellnessandwanderlust.net. You can also lend your support to the show by leaving a rating and review on Apple podcasts. It helps people find the show better. It also just lets us know what you think. I would love to hear your thoughts. I really hope you take that time out of your day. It means the absolute world to me. Now, I hope each and every one of you has a fantastic day and can't wait to see you next time.